You're listening to Mental Work. I'm your host, Bronwyn, an early career psychologist based in Australia. And this is the podcast taking a closer look at the challenges faced by early career mental health professionals so they don't have to go it alone. Hey, mental workers, welcome back. Have you ever had to charge a cancellation fee? Enforce that cancellation policy? Tell somebody that they no longer can have the service because of repeated non-attendances? These things are all examples of setting limits with clients. And I hate it. I think a lot of other people hate it as well. It's really hard, particularly as early career mental health professionals like we are. And let's unpack it and talk about it. We're going to use the example of setting limits with cancellation fees today in this episode. I already feel kind of icky. I really hate implementing cancellation fees, but I've got a few hints, tips and experiences that might be able to help you. First, I want to share with you my first experience of setting limits with clients around non-attendance. I was working in a government-based service and a client hadn't showed up twice in a row to their appointment. Our policy at the time was that if you no-show for two appointments, then we discontinued the service. It was a free service. And so the rationale was that, well, if they don't show up, there are lots of people on the wait list and we can't wait around for people to show up. I really didn't want to tell the client that they could no longer attend because they had told me that the reason why they no-showed for their second appointment was because a plumber showed up at the time that they said they weren't going to show up and they had to stay behind. Nobody else was in the house. I felt a lot of empathy for this client, but my manager said to me, Bronwyn, you just got to make the call and tell them. And so me feeling really awful, I made the phone call. I could hear the disappointment in their voice. I felt really shitty myself, but I did it because I had to, not because I wanted to, definitely not. And I think this points to the broader reason why perhaps we find it so difficult to set limits with clients. That is because we're really good at caring We're so good at being empathetic, listening practitioners that we genuinely try to put ourselves in client's shoes and think about where they're coming from. And when I do that, I'm like, oh, I get it. And then I excuse it. We're not so good at the other side of the spectrum of setting limits. And this might be because of internalized gender stereotypes that we should be feminine and caring, at least for women identifying practitioners. And it might also be because of the stereotypes of the profession, that we're a caring profession. So how could we set limits? We find setting limits way more acceptable for other professions, but in psychology especially, it's like we should be nurturing, we should always be caring. This puts a lot of pressure on us. And I can see why we kind of struggle with this aspect of setting limits. Here's how I've gotten around it. I've gone around it by telling myself that limits are very important. In fact, Me learning schema therapy, that was really helpful because one of the core emotional needs that children have is setting limits. Why are setting limits important? It's because it provides safety, security, consistency, and predictability for children. It lets them know that you care. When people don't set limits, and I guess we're talking about parents in the schema therapy context, when parents or caregivers don't set limits, what you're actually communicating to a child is you don't care what happens to them. Whereas if you say to a child, I need you to play only in the street where I can see you, you're actually letting them know that one, there's consequences. It might be unsafe around the corner where mum can't help you. And you're also letting them know that you care. One of the things we need to do in our therapeutic relationships with clients is kind of tussle between this caring dynamic and this limit setting dynamic. And that's to help clients change. 
we can't change unless we're a little bit outside our comfort bubble and we're poking it just a little bit and extending the boundaries. And one of the ways to do that is to kind of set limits with yourself and be like, I'm going to do this. Another way is to have a psychologist or another mental health professional tell you that, okay, I can see where you're coming from here, but here's the limit. So I remind myself of that a lot. I remind myself that limits are important and I still am unsuccessful at enforcing my cancellation policy at times. I'm much better when I remind myself of that. But literally when I remember last year when I started in private practice and I'm the boss and I'm setting my cancellation policy, nobody else is. And I'm saying to a client who has cancelled on the day, they're like, hey, I cancelled on the day, really sorry. And I'm like, in my head, enforce the policy, enforce the policy. But the words that came out of my mouth were, that's okay, all good, I'll see you later. And I was really friendly. And then I kind of hate myself afterwards. and like, oh, why didn't I do that? And it's because I'm so used to, I guess, towing the status quo, which is to be the caring, kind professional. And I have to remind myself that limits are very important. So what do you do with a cancellation when you want to set limits? For me, the way that I go about things, I think my coping strategy is to logic the shit out of it and make sure I have a clear rationale for everything I do. But mostly it's also in line with my values. I think values should be first and foremost when you're thinking about setting limits with clients. One of my values is integrity. And that is, I guess, doing what I mean and meaning what I do. And that includes what I say. For me, it's very important to have that integrity and to back myself. It's also very important to have fairness. And one of my values and actually one of my strengths is courage. So I really back myself when I feel like something is not sitting quite right with me. And even if it doesn't work out the way that I hope it does, I want to still have that courage and support myself to be able to say it. So I do take risks. It is a little bit scary, but I think you can do it too. Let me just share with you what my cancellation policy is. What it is, is that if clients reschedule the day before their appointment, I charge them $75. If they reschedule on the day of the appointment or they no-show, I charge them the full fee. I'd say around 60% of the time I'm successful in doing this. And that's because of that courage I mentioned before, but it's also because of automation. I, have, I can't take full credit for it. It's that automation makes it a bit easier for me. And that kind of, I guess, psychological distancing and avoidance, I mean, let's just be honest, uh, really helps me enforce it. So what I do is that I actually have my practice management software. I use Halaxy. I have that set up so that it can automatically charge clients the cancellation policy. I also have SMS and email templates that inform the client what I've done. And I link them to my cancellation policy if they want to read more. So I remind them of the policy. I save my cancellation policy on OneDrive, which is cloud storage, and it can generate a link that anybody who I share it with can see. The reason why I have a cancellation policy, which is outlined in my policy, is that essentially when clients book an appointment with me, with us, they're leasing our time. This time is reserved for the client alone, and I prepare for their appointment, assuming they'll be there. So they are responsible for payment, even if they don't make use of the time. That's how I see it. I also say in my policy that I really support their autonomy in deciding whether or not they want to continue participating in therapy. That means it's okay to change their mind and reschedule an appointment, even if they said they were going to attend. However, if they provide very little notice of a cancellation, it's often too late or impossible for another client to reschedule their own schedule to make the time slot, meaning that someone else in need misses out. One of the things that really helps me set limits is actually reinforcing this very real consequence that if clients don't give me enough notice, it means that I can't get someone else into that time slot. So that means someone else misses out on a clinical service. It also means that I miss out on money 
but it also means that in the meantime, I've had clients inquire with me, new clients, and I've had to be like, I'm so sorry, I don't have any space. And I've had to turn them away. So when a client gives me too late notice or they decide to discontinue therapy with very short notice, then it actually has a real world impact because I could have taken on a new client. That's why it's necessary to have the cancellation policy so that I can encourage them to give me as much notice as possible. So one of the things that helps fit in with my integrity is that I'm not doing this to punish the client. It's meant to be intended as a way of encouraging them to give me as much notice as possible if they need to reschedule because I understand that life gets in the way and sometimes you just need to reschedule things. I do it like not all the time, but I do it. I definitely do it. And sometimes I actually, I've missed appointments. Absolutely. I've gotten the wrong time in my calendar and I've been like, oops, like I can't believe I missed that. And I've given them a call and I've been like, I'm so sorry. I've canceled appointments on the day. Like I really understand it. It's just that for us, it does have very real world consequences and it also has financial implications for the business. I don't want to do a calculation right now, because maybe because I'm avoiding, I'm a little bit afraid. But I know that I've done it once before. And if I did not charge a cancellation fee, it would put me out by about $5,000, $8,000 every year. I just can't absorb that as a small business. This is one difference between being a solo practitioner and a group practitioner is that I know in group practices, they actually give a freebie the first time that the client cancels. And they say to them, no worries, here's the cancellation policy. We've given you a concession this time, but next time we'll actually charge it. And I really liked that for a while. Last year when I started my business, I was like, oh yeah, that sounds really good. You know, maintain the relationship, just remind them. But then I was like, oh crap, I can't actually absorb that cost as a solo practitioner. So what I say now is that my concession, if they cancel on the full day, is actually the $75 fee rather than the full fee. I've been feeling a bit icky around charging the full fee if they reschedule on the day. I don't know whether I just need to change my mindset around this or take it away. I've been thinking like, why don't I just charge them $75 for cancelling on the day? I feel like that's my avoidance side coming out and trying to, I guess, like insert itself into the cancellation policy. But I find it very difficult. And I always just assume on this podcast that if I'm feeling that way as an early career mental health professional, there's got to be someone out there who's listening to this that also feels the same way. I think overall, one of the things with the cancellation policy is to practice, practice, practice. Also to make it automatic so that you don't give your brain time to jump in and try and talk you out of enforcing the cancellation policy. You have thought about your cancellation policy. You've given yourself a rationale. Back yourself and do it. Also remember kindness and compassion, (laughs) that you're not alone and that it is really hard. One of the things, most important sections I've got in my cancellation policy is around serious extenuating circumstances. Because I understand that people have a life and sometimes it well and truly gets in the way of scheduled appointments. So I do take serious extenuating circumstances into consideration. However, in the vast majority of reschedules, my late notice fee will be charged. What I say to clients is that instead of charging the full fee, I can offer them a concession of $75, but only once, or I can offer them a telephone or online consult at the time of the scheduled appointment, if they're well. This has been really challenging with COVID. And I found that even more during COVID when people have been cancelling on the day, I've really tussled with that because I know that symptoms of COVID vary so much. Some people have no symptoms. Some people like me, when I had COVID, I was literally sick in bed for like a week and a half and I was unable to do the appointment. So I was really, I was really conflicted with that. And a few times I did waive the cancellation fee. I think I was tired and that was the main reason and I didn't back myself there. But a few times I did enforce it as well. 
I really want to treat my clients consistently, so I'm not too happy with doing that. But I also have a bit of kindness to myself that COVID has just been incredibly difficult to kind of come up with policies around. And I think we're just doing the best we can, just given the information that we have. Finally, I also have a policy around when clients consecutively non-attend or they just have lots of non-attendances, lots of reschedules. Because what happens then is that, again, I'm having to say to new client inquiries, sorry, I can't actually um, accommodate you. And I want to make sure that the person who keeps on rescheduling over and over again, if there's anything getting in the way of attending therapy for them. So my policy is to have a conversation with them. I've also got an email template if I can't reach them in person or over the phone. I do that with them. And then I might ask them to take a break from therapy. And that might be to give them more headspace to focus on things that are taking more time at that moment. For example, if they're experiencing like a move or a renovation or something, maybe that requires more headspace and therapy. And then I ask them to come back when they feel that they're able to attend more consistently. I find that this has worked well. I've only done it once so far in my private practice, so I've had to ask someone to take a break, but they were very understanding. And I also gave them a list of alternative services in, just in case it was like to do with the therapy and they felt a bit embarrassed about it. Overall, mental workers, it's hard for us to set in place limits because one, gender expectations, two, professional expectations. And one that I didn't mention, but there's a lot of self-sacrifices amongst us who put our needs last and habitually people please other people without pleasing ourselves. The old saying of don't set yourself on fire to keep other people warm applies here very strongly. So I really understand why we are doing this, but I think it's such an essential skill. And I would say it's an advanced skill. I'd say it's an advanced experienced skill to be able to set limits confidently and consistently with clients. And we will get there. We will get better at it. I have already seen in myself that I've gotten much better at it over time and I'm still working on it. I hope you are too. And I think that's a wrap. This podcast is hosted by me, Brandon Wilkins, and podcasts are pretty tough to get the word out there. So there are a couple of things you could do to really help me out and help the podcast get out there. One, leave a review. So you can do that on iTunes or anywhere else that allows you to leave reviews. I'm pretty sure Spotify lets you leave reviews now or at least five stars. Thank you so much to the person who has already given the podcast five stars. I very much appreciate it. I'm very grateful and I'm so glad it's helping you. Secondly, please tell somebody, tell a colleague, tell another early career mental health professional about the podcast. I'd really love you for it. And finally, if you have a cool idea for anything that I should be covering or just want to say hi, drop me a line at mentalworkpodcast at gmail.com. Have a good one and see you next time.